0: Use the Dhamma talk with the Namatassa, Namatasa Arahato, Tasa Bhagavata Arahata Sama Sambuddhasa. Namah Bhagavata Arahata Sama Sambuddhasa. Namatasabato A Raha Ta So tonight's talk is about dukkha, unsatisfactoriness or the oppressing nature of conditioned phenomena. Last week, in a couple of talks, I talked about impermanence, anicca, the first of the three general characteristics. In the first talk, we looked at impermanence in a more general way, looking at the change of things, the arising and passing of things, their impermanence. And then in the second talk, we specifically addressed the question, how then is impermanence directly experienced? Because as you have seen, impermanence is a concept, a label, a name given to some experience. And so we have come to see that uh, to experience impermanence it is by observing the specific characteristics of mental and physical phenomena, by seeing them as arising and passing away, by seeing them coming into existence and then disappearing, to see their change, the fact that they do not stay the same. Or, as we have seen one definition Of impermanence is to see the non-existence after having arisen. And so today in this talk we'll have a look at Dukkha, the second of the three general characteristics and try to see how then unsatisfactoriness is directly, personally experienced What is the actual experience of Dukkha or unsatisfactoriness? Because again, suffering or unsatisfactoriness is kind of a concept, a label given to some specific experiences. The Four Noble Truths, they revolve around Dukkha suffering or the inherent unsatisfactoriness of conditioned phenomena. And this unsatisfactory nature of conditioned phenomena is due to their impermanence. It's due to their vulnerab- vulnerability to pain and it is due to their inability to provide lasting or permanent happiness or satisfaction. In explaining this first noble truth about Dukkha, the Buddha said, in short, the five aggregates affected by clinging are Dukkha, are suffering or unsatisfactory. The Buddha's statement that these five aggregates affected by clinging are suffering reveals the fact that what we actually identify with and what we hold on to as the basis for happiness is seen in the right light, correctly understood, is actually the basis for suffering, is the basis for death from what we want to get away. So even if we feel comfortable and at ease, this instability of the aggregate, the aggregates is itself a source of oppression and it keeps us uh, all the time exposed to suffering in its more obvious ways. All the states of existence in samsara are not able to provide lasting security or satisfaction because all these existences, forms of existence are transitory, they are impermanent they are subject to change. Once a monk called Venerable Ratapala, he explained to a king, Koravia, one of the kings living at the Buddha's time. So he said, life in any world is unstable. It is swept away It has no shelter and protector. It has nothing of its own. One has to leave all and pass on. Life, it is incomplete, insatiate, the slave of craving. So, what is the characteristic of Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness? The mental and physical phenomena that arise at the six sense doors are called that which is unsatisfying, Dukkha. Because they are called unsatisfying Dukkha, because they are oppressed by the continuous arising and passing away. So this condition of being oppressed by constant arising and passing away. This is called the characteristic of unsatisfactoriness. Another definition of unsatisfactoriness is this one. It's called unsatisfactoriness or suffering in the sense of fearfulness. It is to be feared because whatever is impermanent can never provide a means for stable security. So, when we observe processes in the body, in the mind, as they arise and pass away, so then we come to see these very processes as being fearful, or as being dangerous, as bad or detestable. And because of seeing this phenomena in this way, then one feels oppressed by this phenomena. So then how can this mode of being continuously oppressed by rising and falling, by appearing and disappearing, how can it be experienced? And this happens by observing the individual characteristics of these mental and physical phenomena and seeing that they are oppressed by this constant arising and passing away. So again, like in the case of impermanence, it's by observing the specific characteristics of phenomena. In a minute, I will go into that a bit further. There are three levels of Dukkha or unsatisfactoriness. The first level is Dukkha Dukkha, which is the obvious form of Dukkha suffering or unsatisfactoriness, which refers to physical pain or mental distress. The second level is Viparinama Dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness due to change. And the third level of Dukkha is Sankara Dukkha. And this is the condition of being subject to arising and passing away. So of these three kinds of dukkha, sankhara dukkha is common to all conditioned phenomena. And it is this sankhara dukkha, the suffering that pervades everything that is conditioned As long as things, phenomena arise dependent on causes and conditions, they are inevitably subject to disappearance or to dissolution. And this disappearance of phenomena is fearful and dreadful. And this is actually happening all the time whether or not we are aware of it. But when we finally take a closer look at this phenomena, at this process is happening in the body and mind, then we come to see this constant arising and disappearance of these objects, of these phenomena or processes. And when these processes are repeatedly observed over an extended period of time, then the mind becomes oppressed or feels oppressed and disgusted by this relentless process. If we do not carefully observe these processes in the body and mind that are constantly arising and passing away at all, the six sense doors, then we cannot really see this nature of being oppressed by constant arising and disappearance. For example, if we constantly adjust our posture as soon as we experience any kind of discomfort or pain, then even the very obvious form of Dukkha. The dukkha Dukkha uh, does not become apparent. And so if that form does not become apparent, then uh, also the other forms uh, suffering due to change and the Sankhara Dukkha do also not become obvious. They cannot be uh, seen. And so in this case of changing one one's posture when there is slight discomfort or in pain, then all the three forms of Dukkha are not seen. They are not understood because they are covered over by the changing of one's posture. So on the other hand, if we carefully observe all phenomena that arise in our body and mind, as we observe them as arising and passing away at the six sense doors, then we come to clearly see that they are constantly arising and vanishing or dissolving. So for example, if we observe a sensation of heat in our body. First of all, we see it on a very gross level. The heat somehow arises, stays for a little while, but then eventually disappears. Later on, with sharper mindfulness and better concentration, we can discern more details in that sensation of heat we maybe can see the heat as uh, little particles or dots of heat that are coming and going or waves of heat going through the body one wave after the other and so we come to see the fleeting and impermanent nature of this uh, heat more clearly or when observing the movement of the foot in the walking meditation, for example. Again, on a grosser level, we are aware that a a step begins and then comes to an end. Or the lifting movement, we see at one point this lifting movement starts, we observe it through and then we come to see the end uh, of that lifting movement. It stops, then it's no longer there. And as we have seen uh, last week, like in a movement, if we observe more closely and if our mind is sharper and concentration better, we can actually discern many smaller movements in the lifting movement. We can come to see that This lifting movement is actually consisting of many uh, little segments of lifting movements and they also can be clearly seen as arising and disappearing one after the other. One little uh, lifting movement happens and then disappears and only when it has completely disappeared does the next little lifting movement arise and also to disappear very instantly again. So in this way, the very fleeting and impermanent nature of this phenomena can be clearly discerned. It also can be seen in the mind with mental processes. For example, uh, joy arising in our mind. Also here, first we see that before there was no joy and then joy has arisen. We are aware that the mind feels joyful, but then after some time we notice that this joy is no longer there, that it has disappeared. And also here, by looking more closely, we can see this joy, mental state of joy, as... um, little moments of joy arising and passing away, seeing also that the mind, uh, the experiences in the mind are quite fleeting, arising and vanishing all the time. And so, when one is repeatedly exposed to this incessant change, when one sees this very, uh, all these different experiences as constantly arising and disappearing, coming and going, then the mind starts to feel oppressed by this constant change. And this is not only true for unpleasant, painful experiences in the body and mind, but it is also true for apparently pleasant or uh, joyful uh, experiences. Once experiences are seen in this slide, then even a pleasant, joyful experience is no longer uh, be taken as something satisfying. Because this joy or happiness or any other pleasant uh, nice state is seen in the light of this constant change. And when the mind is exposed to this constant change over an extended period of time, then even though it's a pleasant, nice experience, this incessant change and disappearance Uh, of phenomena becomes really oppressive, dissatisfying. One finds no longer satisfaction in that. Let's go back to this example of changing the posture. So we have seen that change, changing the posture masks the characteristic of unsatisfactoriness or dukkha. Let's say you are observing a pleasant feeling. You observe it and at one stage you come to see that this pleasant feeling dissolves and disappears. And after that maybe an unpleasant feeling arises due to some stiffness or tension in the body. And because it is unpleasant, then we immediately change the posture to get away from this unpleasantness. And as a result of changing the posture, the unpleasant feeling disappears and instead of that, a pleasant feeling then arises again and because um, most people, they constantly crave for pleasant feelings, for nice experiences, so then the changing of posture is taken as an effective remedy to get away from an unpleasant experience. And so for many people, this seems the way to do it, if you don't like it an unpleasant sensation, just change your posture, then you get away from it. And so this has become quite a a habitual response to unpleasantness or uh, to pain. And as a result of this almost ingrained habit to get away from what is unpleasant, or painful, people fail to understand the nature of dukkha in all its various aspects. And so in by changing posture or uh, changing conditions to get away from unpleasantness, unsatisfactoriness, from suffering, then the characteristic of Dukkha cannot really be seen, cannot really be understood. But when phenomena are observed carefully, when one does not try to get away from what is unpleasant, Uh, or unsatisfactory, or painful, then the understanding of Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, uh, arises by seeing uh, its nature clearly. And by seeing the nature of unsatisfactory more clearly, then the perception of satisfaction also starts uh, to fade away. Because when things are uh, taken to be satisfying, satisfactory, then with this basic wrong view we look at the world in a distorted in a perverted way. So if we want to understand the unsatisfactory nature of phenomena we have to observe these very phenomena in body and mind and observe their individual characteristics seeing them as constantly arising and passing away, and in this way come to see that whatever is constantly arising and passing away is actually oppressive. It doesn't uh, provide a basis for lasting or permanent satisfaction or happiness. So unsatisfactoriness uh, can be experienced as the oppression by constant arising and passing away or as the changing and destruction of these phenomena which are observed. Or in another way, uh, can be experienced as unbearable torture things are fleeting, impermanent. And so in our meditation practice, when we carefully observe these objects, these processes that are happening in our body and mind all the time, then directly seeing their constant arising and passing away and uh, then feeling oppressed or becoming fearful of this conditioned phenomena. This is uh, what we call insight, a direct and personal understanding which arises from our practice. And once we have come to directly or personally and empirically understand the unsatisfactory nature of phenomena, then we can deduce that phenomena in the past and phenomena in the future must have the same nature, that they are not basically different from the phenomena that we observe in the present moment. And so, then one can deduce that phenomena in the past and conditioned phenomena in the future that they also must be Dukkha uh, unsatisfying and so this understanding that comes about through reflection this is called inferential knowledge of Dukkha or unsatisfactoriness and this understanding of Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, first empirically, personally, then also uh, the reflective type and an inferential type, this understanding starts to arise at the third stage of inside knowledge, the inside knowledge of comprehension. And later on, this unsatisfactory nature of phenomena uh, becomes more apparent and more obvious when one is going through a series of inside knowledges which are commonly referred to as the Dukkha Jnanas. And these Dukkha Jnanas, for many meditators, this uh, is a very rough and challenging part in their practice. Because before that the practice seemed to go very well and the meditators have all these wonderful experiences. Experiences of light, of rapture, of great joy, of uh, a calm or tranquil mind. These experiences arise in the fourth stage of the insight knowledges and in his last talk Sayadaw Uvivekananda mentioned these wonderful good experiences, uh, manifestations of vipassana, nupa, vipassana, nupa, kilesas, the imperfections of insights good experiences, wholesome experiences by themselves, but because of attachment to these experiences they become an impediment to further progress in one's practice. And so when they are carefully noted, then one proceeds and so after that things seem to deteriorate. The practice seems to fall apart. At least this is how the meditators perceive it. So then all these wonderful experiences of great joy, happiness, light, buoyancy in body and mind do no longer happen. But instead of that, the mind is overcome with fear, with dread, with disgust and revulsion. And so now, the meditators usually think that their practice is completely falling apart and that nothing is working anymore. Before, there was all this elation and joy, but now, then the mind is just feeling miserable and there is this disgust with everything. Even the body Uh, is afflicted, one feels just very um, uneasy, uncomfortable, and there is this general, yeah, uncomfortableness or kind of pain, nothing, not really sharp or uh, concrete pains, but just very unpleasant uh, state. I remember so well when I was going through this phase in my early years in Burma. For example, we had to queue up in the dining hall before the meals, before breakfast and lunch. And just standing there waiting to go up into the dining hall, the body felt so uncomfortable, kind of painful, but not... uh, Sharp or uh, obvious pains in some parts of the body. I just had no ease in the body. Even if I was sitting down, then there was still this great discomfort in body. So this is quite a rough and challenging part uh, in the meditator's practice. But this is also uh, a very important phase in the practice, because this phase proves to be the turning point in one's practice. In these Dukkha we get a very good big helping of Dukkha, of suffering, and you know, before whatever suffering or unsatisfactoriness we've experienced, uh, then just seems uh, that we have nibbled a little bit of dukkha before. But in these dukkha we get the real good helping. And then as a result of this deep and profound understanding of dukkha, there arises the desire to finally get away from all this misery. And it is during that phase that one clearly comes to understand that there is nothing good or satisfying in this conditioned phenomena. So then the realization dawns that it is only by getting away from this conditioned phenomena that one will be no longer plagued by them. And so then the desire for deliverance for the, from these condition phenomena uh, arises. Sometimes the Buddha was very brief and concise in describing his teaching, saying that his teaching was basically one of suffering and the end of suffering. As I stated in the beginning of this talk, the Four Noble Truths revolve around Dukkha. And during a talk on the Four Noble Truths, probably two weeks ago or so, I mentioned that the Buddha described the truth of suffering in his very first discourse. So if we add the five aggregates of clinging, then we get a comprehensive list of what is considered to be Dukkha or suffering, unsatisfactory. So this truth of suffering Dukkha is expounded as twelvefold. So we have the suffering of birth, aging, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, despair, association with what is unpleasant, separation from what is pleasant, not to get what one wants and five aggregates affected by clinging. And as we have seen, there are three kinds of Dukkha. The first one being Dukkha Dukkha, the obvious suffering. This is the obvious suffering that we can experience in our body and mind, such as pain, aches, Tensions, stiffness, cold, heat, burning, itchy sensations, and so on. These are um, experiences in the body. Or, to come on the mental level, includes worry, grief, frustration, lamentation, fear, dread, anxiety and so on. So this is quite obvious. And even animals experience this level of Dukkha. Then the second level of Dukkha is Viparinama Dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness due to change. So this kind of Dukkha is already a little bit more difficult to understand. So when it is said that even an un, uh, a pleasant experience is Dukkha, then people get a bit puzzled and perplexed. So they think when something is enjoyable and pleasant, how can this be Dukkha? How can this be uh, unsatisfactory? For example, somebody is enjoying the beautiful view from the top of a mountain and so at that very moment of looking all around at the gorgeous scenery of many more high uh, mountains this seems to be an utterly pleasant enjoyable experience so where is the Dukkha in that experience But it's Dukkha because in every uh, pleasant experience, the seed of unsatisfactoriness, uh, unpleasantness, is already contained. Because things, situations are impermanent, because they are subject to change, they won't last. And then, when they change, then the pleasantness is gone. The pleasantness may simply disappear or it may uh, change into unpleasantness. And then, when the pleasantness has gone, when it's disappeared, so this proves to be unsatisfying. and one sees that this is not reliable. So even it was even the fact that it was a very enjoyable and pleasant experience, but it cannot be the source of lasting and permanent satisfaction or happiness. When something changes disappears, then one either longs for another pleasurable, enjoyable experience or one gets frustrated that this pleasant experience is no longer present. In one of his suttas, in English it's called Born from Those Who Are Dear, The Buddha used a number of questions to make the person understand that even those who are dear to us are a source of suffering. So one day, a householder went to see the Buddha. And on seeing this man, the Buddha noticed that he was depressed and feeling sad and so the Buddha asked him for his reason to be sad and depressed and so this man told him that his son had died and since the death of his son he had no more desire to eat or to do any work and this man added that every day he went to the charnel ground and was crying there weeping there and asking my my dear son where are you where are you and to this the buddha replied so it is my my uh, friend sorrow lamentation pain grief and despair are born from those who are dear to us. So lamentation, etc. arise from those who are dear to us. But when the man heard that, he objected and said that joy and happiness arises from those who are dear to us. So the man was very displeased with what the Buddha had said. And uh, so he got up and left. And on his way back, he met a group of gamblers. And to air out his frustration, he told them uh, the conversation he had with the Buddha. And then the gamblers actually told him that, yeah, he was right, that joy and happiness arises from those who are dear to us. Of course, the man was very pleased to hear that. And it is said that eventually this story reached the palace. It reached the palace of King Pasenadi of Kosala. And he related that story to the Queen, Queen Malika. So he told her that the Buddha apparently had said pain, grief, lamentation, grief and despair are those are born from those who are dear, that it arises from those who are dear. And Queen Malika said that if the Buddha was saying so, then it must be so. But the king got quite angry at that and said that Malika always approved of everything what the Buddha was saying, but in this case it was obviously not correct what the Buddha was saying, because how could grief, sorrow and despair arise from those who are dear uh, to one. And so. King Pasenadi got a bit angry and sent Queen Malika away. But Queen Malika was quite a clever woman. And so she called one man and instructed him to go to the Buddha and inquire about this uh, statement. And so then the Buddha gave quite a lengthy Uh, explanation to this man. Among other things, he said that at one time in the the town of Savati, there was a certain woman and her mother died. And with the death of her mother, that woman uh, actually went mad and she lost her mind. And the Buddha added many more examples of people getting beset by worry, grief and despair after the death of their beloved ones. And as a last example, the Buddha was getting a bit more drastic. And he said, one time there was a woman who really loved her husband. But the relatives of this woman wanted to divorce the woman from that man and marry her to another man. And so when the husband heard about that, quite cruel, the man cut the woman, his wife, in two and then committed suicide thinking that with that they will be together in the afterlife. And so this man had uh, well noticed, memorized what the Buddha had said, and so he went back to the palace and reported the whole conversation to Queen Malika. And then Queen Malika in turn went to her husband, King Pasenadi and she asked him, Is the Princess Vajiri, one of their daughters, is she dear to you? And King Pasenadi answered, Oh yes, Princess Vajiri is very dear to me. Then Queen Malika asked, What do you think? If the princess Vajiri were to become seriously ill or if she were to die, would sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair arise in you? And to this King Pasenadi said, if she were to become seriously ill or if she were to die, how could sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair not arise in me? And then Queen Malika said, well, it was with reference to this that the Buddha said, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair are born from those who are dear. It arises from those who are dear. And after that, Queen Malika went on to ask about other persons who were dear to the king. And eventually it dawned in the king's mind and eventually he came to realize his wrong assumption and he came to understand that actually grief, lamentation and despair arises from those who are dear to one. So the seed of Dukkha Unsatisfactoriness is in everything conditioned, whether this be pleasant or unpleasant, whether loved or disliked, whether it's beautiful or ugly, whether it's attractive or repulsive. And the third kind of Dukkha is sankhara Dukkha. And this means being oppressed by the constant arising and passing away of conditioned phenomena. And this kind of Dukkha is quite difficult to understand for those who do not practice meditation. First of all, but also do not engage in meditation practice, the constant arising and passing away of phenomena is not seen, it's not really understood. So these people do not really see and understand that uh, that things are impermanent in the nature. So if they do not see it on this course level, then How can they see it on a more subtle level? How can they see that things actually change from moment to moment? How can they see or be aware that a painful sensation is just a mess of little uh, painful sensations arising and passing away very quickly, one after the other? So for Sankara dukkha to be understood and realized, one must carefully observe phenomena in body and mind. Only when the mind directly and clearly sees this constant arising and disappearance of phenomena, and only when the mind is exposed to that over a longer period of time, then the mind will come to understand and see that this constant change, this constant arising and disappearance is actually oppressive, that it is actually uh, dreadful, nothing uh, satisfying. And so with that, the mind comes to see that there is no security and no stability in this phenomena and so that there is no base for lasting happiness. The mind then clearly sees that there is no firm ground to be found in any of the conditioned phenomena. And so this deep understanding seeing sankara dukkha this cannot be uh, this understanding cannot be gained by mere reflection or analytical uh, thinking but this understanding only comes through direct and personal experience through empirical understanding. And this is what we call insight or insight knowledge, which is a direct and intuitive seeing or understanding opposed to mere intellectual uh, reflective understanding. And only when this understanding comes through an intuitive understanding, uh, through insight, only then does this understanding have a transformative power. Only then uh, does it have uh, a liberating effect. As long as this remains an intellectual, analytical understanding, It will not have the power to bring about transformation in one's understanding. And it will not have the power to bring about the liberation, the freedom from this conditioned phenomena. The fact that all conditioned phenomena are of the nature of Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, is also expressed in the teaching of dependent origination. So, after mentioning these 12 links of dependent origination, then there is one sentence which sums up this dependent origination. And it says, Thus arises this whole mess of suffering. On the Vesak day, uh, we chanted this dependent origination just uh, to bring it up again into your mind. Mention it again. Dependent on ignorance arises karmic formations. Dependent on karmic formations arises consciousness. Dependent on consciousness arises mind and matter dependent on mind and matter arises the six sense bases dependent on the six sense bases arises contact dependent on contact arises feeling dependent on feeling arises craving dependent on craving arises clinging dependent on clinging arises existence dependent on existence arises birth. Dependent on birth arise old age and death, sorrow lamentation, pain, grief and despair. Thus arises this whole mess of suffering. Thus arises this whole mess of Dukkha. And so the first link in this uh, dependent origination is avijja or ignorance. So, because there is ignorance, there arise karmic formations and it is said that there is no beginning to this ignorance. The first beginning of ignorance, avijja, cannot be made out. But the end of ignorance can be found, the end of ignorance can be achieved. And when ignorance ceases, when ignorance is no longer present, then also all the other links of dependent origination will cease. And so then the result is the end of suffering, the cessation of suffering and so, in terms of dependent origination, it's like this. With the cessation of ignorance, comic formations will not arise. With the cessation of comic formations, consciousness will not arise. With the cessation of consciousness, mind and matter will not arise. With the cessation of mind and matter, the six sense bases Will not arise. With the cessation of the six Sense bases. contact, will not arise. With the cessation of contact, feeling, will not arise. With the cessation of feeling, craving, will not arise. With the cessation of craving, clinging, will not arise. With the cessation of clinging, existence will not arise. With the cessation of existence, birth will not arise. And with the cessation of birth, old age and death, pain, grief, lamentation and despair will not arise. Thus ceases this wholeness of suffering. In this way, Dukkha ceases to exist. And the cessation of of this wholeness of suffering, this actually means liberation, this means uh, enlightenment, this refers to the peace and happiness of Nibbana. So, to sum up, the understanding of Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, comes about by observing the individual characteristics of mental and physical phenomena and seeing them as constantly arising and passing away and therefore seeing their oppressive, unsatisfactory nature. As you've seen, the Buddha's teaching is about suffering and end of suffering. So these are two facts that are presented in a quite clear and straightforward way. The Buddha's teaching, yes, it's quite clear, straightforward and in a sense it's also quite radical. The Buddha's teaching is not only a means to alleviate, weaken our suffering and make our lives a bit more comfortable and at ease, but the Buddha's teaching point, points to the very source of our suffering and it also gives us very clear directions of how to make an end to suffering, of how to overcome all our suffering. So with this, let's conclude our talk. So may all of you be able to clearly understand Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, and may you be able to experience the end of Dukkha.